He said, please. I can't tell you. As a man, watching another man go through something like that, what it makes you feel like. I didn't watch the tape for weeks, for a week. I didn't watch it. I knew, I saw a still picture. I said, I don't want to see this because I can't unsee it. But when I finally watched it, I understood nobody's going home. Anyone who sees this, well, they're going to be furious. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about Dave Chappelle. This episode is brought to you by Lucasfilm and Disney Plus, presenting an all-new Star Wars series, The Acolyte. Stream the two-episode premiere June 4th and witness an investigation into a shocking crime spree where secrets will emerge and no one is safe from the truth. The Acolyte, two-episode premiere, streaming June 4th, only on Disney+. Plus. This episode is brought to you by Thomas's. Thomas's presents Pondering the Bagel with Tom. Oh, the paradox of the bagel. Tis crunchy yet soft. Tis filling yet has a hole. Tis a vehicle for spreads, but only travels from toaster to plate. Thomas's. Huzzah! A toast to breakfast. Hmm. Hmm. Once again... Charity, we have been called to the table. There's like, so, I mean, as you may or may not have heard, former vice president is now president-elect Joe Biden since, you know, like he got enough of the vote. He won enough of the votes for like news outlets to finally call the election for him. Yeah, like four days uh, this past weekend. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> and uh, Dave Chappelle addressed the nation on SNL again, just like he did in 2016. Yeah. And can we actually, you know, listeners should know that sound only your dear co-host when we were sort of piloting this show internally, like we did, you know, we taped a couple episodes, but we taped our earliest episode, I think, about Dave Chappelle. Um, And this is this was around the time of his short stand up special that went straight to YouTube, 846 about George Floyd. And we had, you know, we talked about that. We also talked about like, you know, the general sort of political valence of Dave Chappelle. (laughs) And we're going to have that conversation kind of again. We actually thought it was like a very, you know, good sort of episode, a good conversation we had just personally. But we want to talk through sort of Dave Chappelle closing the circle, hosting SNL again after Biden, you know, right basically as Biden won. The election in 2020, closing the circle on Chappelle hosting SNL instead of having to confront a shell-shocked New York audience immediately after Donald Trump won the presidential election in November 2016. People ain't like the SNL last weekend, though. Yeah, it was... As um, is often the case with, with yeah. you know, current career Dave Chappelle. Yeah. Yes, it was... Um, it left... More than a little to be desired. <laughs> How to put the okay? So Dave Chappelle has late career Dave Chappelle, PJ Dave Chappelle, mirrored shades inside 
career Dave Chappelle yeah. at this stage yeah. is has like basically like occupies his own echelon as far as like cultural commentary and comedy goes. Absolutely. Basically, the only people that had to address the nation on election night were the president elect, the vice president elect, and you know, like the only people that needed to, the president who lost and Dave Chappelle, who was on SNL. No one was checking for Mike Pence. No one was nobody, like, nobody was checking for Mike Pence. No, nobody Chappelle. was checking for Mike Pence. Right. Like, but yes, it was, it's like he's in this weird space where like it's now like Dave Chappelle, right after our elected officials, is going to speak to make sense of this for you. It's a very like weird job to have. It is, but it's and it's also interesting to consider how Dave Chappelle kind of got this unofficial role in popular culture, right? I think it's because he sort of Mm, Dave Chappelle hits right at that political sweet spot between progressive, I would say specifically like non-white progressives, like irreverent black people, basically, who like making fun of white people and mm -hmm. making one, fun of like white liberals as much as they like making fun of white conservatives. Hello. But also, also this sort of maybe more conservative or maybe more sort of libertarian white people who like you know, are more more likely to have been a kind of person who voted for Trump or at least is kind of defensive about Trump, you know, is sort of defensive about... Yeah, I mean, you know, like, it makes sense that his stuff. friends are the rappers that we were talking yeah. about the weeks, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> a couple of weeks ago. But also Q-Tip, right. <laughs> yeah, but also Q-Tip. But also Q-Tip who will patiently explain to you online what hip-hop is and, you know, like, why you are an aberrant presence in it. Iggy right. Azalea. Right. There's like, it's, yeah, there's, uh, <laughs> yeah. do you remember that though? Yeah, that happened. Anyway, okay. But anyway, yes, it is. He actually had a uh, tribe come out and like give a couple of priority performances uh, that uh, 2016 SNL episode, which is weird. You wrote about that episode, actually. Wait, about which episode? Uh, that SNL, where, where uh, Oh, the, I did, yo, I totally yes, forgot. Yeah, yeah, the 20th, I totally forgot. I totally yes, forgot. Yes, on SNL, Dave Chappelle was healer-in-chief, I remember, was the, the headline of that Yo, that was piece. such a weird time, dog, because it was like, that was also the Kate McKinnon singing Hallelujah. Yes, exactly, oh, yes, and, no. the, and they had, there was, there was a callback to the weird, like, hokey self-seriousness for that moment, where it's just kind of like, that's not what we come to you for. <laughs> um... When uh, Alec Baldwin in Trump Get Up played a somber, stripped down version of Macho Man on the piano, and it was just like more than I could bear. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, uh, but okay, so what happened? So with SNL this time, we can sort of work backward. I think this whole episode is going to be working backward through the chronology of Dave Chappelle as you know the guy who culminates in being like I guess I call it healer in chief, right? But like. SNL this past weekend was just kind of odd because it was very unsatisfying in a way that I have to imagine irritated. Like in the sense that Dave Chappelle has this sort of central pop cultural cachet where he he sort of takes little pieces of different factions and he can sort of, again, he's like the rare sort of inverse consensus builder, I think, in popular culture in a weird way. Like I feel like his monologue this time around had something to really irritate every single one of the factions that feels like it has some pop culture investment in Dave Chappelle. Yeah. I mean, mm, like, okay. yeah, really tacky we're not going to do it. Yeah. We're not going to do a whole play by play here. Yeah, like yeah, you can, yeah. you can go and listen to it, but it was, 
noticeable that like he was flown out the night before on a private jet to to do that episode to to put that together. Yeah. Um and I mean like he wore a suit. Why the fuck did he wear that suit? Yeah. He wore the same suit that he, like the same suit that he wore to the Deaf Comedy Jam anniversary thing. <laughs> like it was just I didn't really get the like I didn't understand the vibe and I don't really think he he did either. It's like a characteristic of like the past couple of things that he's put out. 846 yeah. is the same way. It's just kind of like 846 was nearly a half hour of Dave Chappelle ex- like you know wondering aloud why anybody was listening to him yeah. really. And yeah. I mean like the monologue similarly had the same uh the, the SNL monologue from this past weekend had a similar unease and uncertainty about it. Like there was, I literally could not locate what the tone of it was supposed to be. And the audience there was like, there was a, would you describe that the laughter is kind of like aimless and nervous and tentative, tentative. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Because yeah, there were, can I tell you, there was like a specific joke that, I I felt myself sort of intellectually responsive to, and yet I didn't know whether I thought it was funny. And it felt like the whole thing was like that. It was the joke where he's sort of, um, he's giving sort of Trump a backhanded compliment, right? He's saying something like, you know, Trump is more of an optimist than me. Like Trump said, you know, Charlottesville, he said, there are good people on both sides. I thought to myself, there are bad people on both sides. You know, he, he was sort of contrasting his way of thinking about human nature and partisanship or whatever. And I, I don't know. It was like in that moment, it was so weird because it was like that's it felt like after a certain point, he really was just doing. Yeah, but OK, OK, OK. But I mean, like, think about Yeah. Yeah. Think about like all of the qualifiers that went into that. Like, yeah. yeah. Dave, late career Dave Chappelle makes you work so fucking hard for a laugh that like it all of whatever intention there might have been or like, you know, whatever effect the joke is supposed to have is often lost on me. Or I, I mean, like, or I, like, apparently I am not of the certain level of intelligence to get the jokes anymore. No, because I think even the I think I don't know. He sort of says during the, the SNL opening that he's like. It, it just seems like he's sort of trying some shit out and his response to it, not going over with the audience does, you know, it seems like he gets he, that. Like, he, yeah. He was just like his response to it, not working out. It's just like, I thought this is a comedy show. It's like a woke meeting in here. Yeah, and it's just like, yeah. what is, I what it is, is that. Uh, it's just surprising. It is surprising. It's, it's surprising because, because it just feels like it's hitting so wide of the mark so often. Yeah. And it, it feels weird, too, because Chappelle is kind of, I don't know, watching him on SNL this past weekend. I, I feel a little bad for him because it feels like somehow he got painted into this corner, right, of having to... He got painted into this corner of simultaneously being a comedian, right, who's on, in one sense just going up and doing the thing Bill Barr did. Sure. When Bill Barr went on SNL like a few weeks ago. But on the other hand, kind of having to play it straight, right? Because there's some there's some valence around him now of like, oh, this guy might actually be the magical Negro who gets up here and makes sense of America for us in yes. this time where something cathartic is happening. Mm-hmm. And Yeah, it it is like, you do feel a sense of like, pity is like a strong word, 
Because it's like, because I mean, like, again, he is like mega rich and everybody listens to what he has to say and so on and so forth. But having to find a way to sublimate the like the mania and paranoia of an entire nation that was glued to cable news all week. Yeah. And like finding a way to say something that sounds both meaningful and funny, but like requisitely mournful. I, I like I, it's yeah, it's just like a but, weird like it's a it's a it's a crazy needle like it's a it's a crazy eye to have to thread. But think of where your expectations for him threading that needle even come from. Like think of how you know part of the striking thing with Chappelle, right, is that something like him on SNL this past weekend feels kind of like he bombs because it's overloaded with those expectations. And yet mm-hmm. those expectations are also why 846 earlier this year felt so profound. Right. And it's sort of, I don't know, it's sort of maybe in retrospect, it, you know, we can take that for granted. We can go that like, you know, the George Floyd protest in spite, you know, Breonna Taylor, like this was this huge moment in culture. And it's easy to forget that when people were watching 846, like that was before a point even when there had been, been like people had found their avenues of catharsis right like that was during a moment where watching something like that where those sort of expectations were overloaded onto dave Chappelle of all people Mm -hmm. like he processed he he was drunk as shit unlike an an snl he seemed pretty sober and it seemed like an 846 seemed like he was sauced and yet he sort of there was like a a profound elegance to how he managed those expectations that people had for that that performance, despite how sort of bizarre and arguably inappropriate those expectations were for a stand-up comedian. Well, yeah, I mean, like, I would characterize this past weekend's SNL monologue as like going back to the to that same well with like diminishing returns because it's yeah. just like I don't. I mean, like, how many times does it work for you to say why am I up here and why am I talking? And, you know, what uh, what change can I affect by saying X, Y, Z? Yeah. Which, which worked in a way on 846 for a number of reasons. Yes, the moment in time, the setting, like, and also the audience who, like, you know, was more so silent and nodding in, and nodding in agreement or would have, like, the the nervous laughter, but not the manic laughter you were hearing on yeah. SNL, or, yeah. w- where it would fill spaces between like such flubs as Donald Trump when he was like talking about Trump contracting COVID and the entire cabinet and so on and so forth. He described him as like a 1970s penis, like raw dogging Earth. I was like, and and he did and he did like the microphone tapping his leg thing he does. Now to yeah, kind of just yeah. be like to summon some sort of reaction, like it just felt very flailing. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Everybody has those nights. I think it's sort of easier. Like maybe you know what it is. Maybe these moments, these sort of very potent distilled performances, are you know those are really high profile, high stakes moments where it does feel like. Chappelle is winging it a bit in terms of managing all these like political expectations he sort of exists mm-hmm. at the nexus of. I think we could talk through the longer Chappelle stand up specials, you know, over the past few years that I think 
form like a lot of the context for how we even got to this point, right? Where it feels like everybody has every sort of all these like different political factions feel like they have some sort of tentative political stake in the pronouncements of Dave Chappelle. Why would anyone care what the favorite comedian thinks after they saw a police officer kneel on a man's neck for eight minutes and 46 seconds? I can't get that number out of my head because it was my time of birth on my birth certificate. I was born at 8.46 in the morning and they killed this nigga in eight minutes and 46 seconds. I watch everything everybody says. I think Candace Owens try to convince white America, don't worry about it, he's a criminal anyway. I don't give a fuck what this nigga did. I don't care what this nigga did. I don't care if he personally kicked Candace Owens in her stinky pussy. I don't know if it stinks, but I imagine it does. I think Chappelle, like, give or take about a minute and a half, made it maybe 10 minutes into his monologue before he started talking about woke scolds. It's like been like a favorite of his. Yeah. He returns to that point a lot, especially since the last, you know, new Chappelle specials that popped up on Netflix in 2017 when he signed that massive deal. Yeah, totally. Um, which... We've uh, watched all these, by the way. Yeah, we've, we've watched, watched all of them. Yeah, we've, we've watched, watched all of them. them. Mike has written... I've, I've written about, like I said, I wrote about Chappelle when he did SNL right after Trump won. But otherwise, Mike has written about Chappelle's specials for the Ringer website and... Obviously, uh, Ringer TV critic Allison Herman has written about Chappelle for the Ringer website. Um, yeah, and it's sort of like that pa- the, the past, you know, I say the past decade, but really we're talking about the past few years within that decade of Chappelle specials before mm-hmm. 846 sort of represented like a kind of political streak. Is that a fair characterization? Hmm. A political, like, well, like of a, a certain like serialization of, or or phase in Dave Chappelle's politics. Well, or- it's like it's like overt, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's I would say that it's more confrontational. Yeah, yeah. Just because those specials, while they did have some like great stuff in there, that has like you know an older much richer Dave Chappelle living his life and like having a lot of the, the observational humor that you love from him. Yeah. But then also punching down at a lot of things that he didn't understand, like trans people continuously. Yeah. And, you know, just, I mean, like all, like there's, there was, there were just things that he could have just not like so often. <laughs> yeah. Can you explain what you mean real quick when you say punching down? I, like, I know this is a semi, like it's a, a way of understanding comedy, but let's talk it out real quick. Um, Chappelle's claim to fame is, is that sort of being able to look askance on things and like reveal how ridiculous they are in the course of explaining them. Yeah. And you can laugh the entire time because his voice is hilarious. Like literally in the course of him saying something like, you know, uh, yeah, I got pulled over by the cops, but I'm also Dave Chappelle and I'm rich. It's like it's it's, it's hilarious to it's hilarious to hear him say you know mundane things like that because his voice is like nasally and like whatnot. But yeah. also there is 
stinging truth normally behind the the wilder, more outre things that he says. Yeah, yeah. And often that has to do with people that that I mean, like that that those jokes normally move the right direction along power dynamics, like you know, <laughs> from black observation on to white people normally. Yeah. But in newer times, it's just kind of like him getting frustrated by things he doesn't understand. Like, for instance, in the SNL monologue, there was not a lengthy bit, but like a, a, a significant or a noticeable one about FarmersOnly.com, where he's just <laughs> like, "Why?" Well, I mean, like, you know, it just made me think about what kind of what kind of nigga only smashes other farmers. Yeah, it's, that shit is gross, and it's just like. Is it, or do you just not understand that? So, <laughs> I mean, like, it's not, and the thing is that, like, it's that, that joke is like small, ineffectual, whatever. It doesn't really hurt anybody. But at the same time, it's just like emblematic of the larger problem. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think in, in recent years, a lot of the appeal of Dave Chappelle, right? Certainly among like contrarian defenders of certain sort of bones he's picked with you know trans people even if only for the sake of doing a bit right like the idea is that like he's a comedian he's transgressive that's his appeal and it's funny because like i actually think a more sort of studied take on dave Chappelle is that like the thing that was really good about Chappelle show right is that that was a guy who when he made fun of white people felt like he was a historian of white people. You know what I mean? Like that's oh, so yeah. underrated. That, it, it's it's really like the underlying theme of each skit is like, I know so much more about white people than they know about themselves. <laughs> yes, that's totally it. And look, I think a lot of a lot of black comedians have played around with that sort of core thesis. But I think Chappelle show is notable as like the sort of the the big foundational thing for Dave Chappelle's appeal, right? Like that is a whole show built around that premise. And so you, Dave Chappelle, if he weren't a comedian, would be a fucking sociologist of white people. And so to me, when people talk about the power dynamics and punching down and stuff, I don't, I actually don't like punching down as a concept as much. And the alternative way I'd put this stuff is that like Dave Chappelle doing the kind of race comedy, and it wasn't always just aimed at white people on Chappelle's show, but it like, the race comedy of Chappelle show that made that show what it is to me is brilliant because Dave Chappelle, even when he's taking the piss, even when he's doing like totally outrageous comedy, he really knows what the fuck he's talking about when he's sort of working with these stereotypes. And I think when it shifts to him making fun of like trans people and millennials, it feels like he's way more out of his depth. He's yeah. He's like, it feels like he's swimming out of his depth. Yeah. Yeah. He's yeah. He's legitimately like, I mean, saying, well, he said tranny, like in 2017, like yeah. in, at his big age. Like, it's just, you know, it's things that <laughs> in order to be an asshole, you need to know what you're talking about. Otherwise, you're just mean. That's it. Yeah. I think that's the fundamental thing. And I guess people are going to argue, you know, sort of like, face off Travolta cage plan B let's just kill each other. Cause like people who love sort of 2017 through 2019, Dave Chappelle insist that like this, that was Chappelle's golden age, right? Transgressive. Right, because it's yeah. just kind of like, Oh, he pissed everyone off. And therefore he said the truest things of his career. That must, it's very, yeah. I'd like that is, 
like one reading of his of his Netflix years. Right. And I okay, I have another reading even on top of that. I have the hottest take of anybody who's going to do a conversation about Dave wow. Chappelle, which is wow. that wow. I actually think through through those specials, right? Age of Spin, mm-hmm. Deep in the Heart of Texas, Equanimity, Come on. Bird Revelation, Sticks Baby and Gunna. <laughs> I, I actually think that in, in the past decade, and it seems self-evident sort of you look at, looking at the sort of cultural significance that we opened the episode talking about, but I think Chappelle has aged into the decade, this decade, better than any other comedian I can think of. And it's, it's just that it's not because of his transgressive nature. It's the fact that like, I watched through those specials, right? It's sort of the first wave of Chappelle being transgressive in that way and just being totally sort of clueless about it, then being defensive about it, then him sort of working back to this um, like conciliatory, like him trying to square the circle of the duty to be transgressive and the thing you're describing, the duty not to be an asshole. I don't know. I do think that there's like an arc to those specials where like a lot of the, I, I honestly think, man, that like a lot of the, the moral, ethical, political scramble of like the Trump years, it feels like shit no matter what. You you could be a fucking rocket scientist. You could be a comedian. You could be a journalist, right? It feels like a, a confusing time to try to interpret public morality. And I feel like a lot of people have face planted. A lot of people have become like transgressive for the sake of being transgressive and in a really flat, uncomplicated way. And I do think that after a certain point, Chappelle got a lot more responsive and dynamic. And I don't think he became compromising. And yet I think he, I think after a certain point, Chappelle tried to say, I can still be transgressive. I can still be uncompromising in my comedy, but that doesn't mean that I can't in my special sort of respond to some of the arguments that are being made and try to sort of work out what I actually think after I've had conversations with people about the shit they don't like about my most recent stand-up. Without it just being this juvenile, like, I'm a fight off the woke millennials bullshit that I think any lesser comedian would do. I think that that is the case of you just moving the goalposts backwards, sideways, side, or all around. Like, it's just, like, it's, I get the point. Like there is, I think that I I absolutely agree with you. If you take all of you, if you take, if you take his body of work from 2016 up to this point uh, together, there's probably something interesting to be said about how comedy responded to this quote unquote scare quotes moment in time. Oh, I disagree with that. I don't think there's anything interesting to be said for how comedy in any general sense has responded to it. Well, I mean, like, then I have no idea what you're talking about because the thing is that, like, it is... I I understand the point of, of, like, Chappelle doing... having this duty to be, you know, transgressive, but then also to be like a public servant on the order of an elected official uh as as like you know in in some ways like uh, like addressing the nation as such but i mean where was it at during the monologue is really how i feel about it <laughs> yeah, no, like I, and there's and there's really no amount of equivocating that's going to fix that for me no totally totally well especially with regard to the monologue from this past weekend absolutely bad monologue crappy whatever 
to me, the point, though, is that when I say that, like, I'm not talking about comedy in general, it's, I guess what mm-hmm. I mean is, like, any lesser comedian to any lesser to any degree than Chappelle, I think really would have after the first wave of whatever nth wave of backlash we've had to Dave Chappelle for him being sort of too cute by half in his trans- transgressiveness, right? I think mm-hmm. any lesser comedian would have just been like, ooh, I'm going to seize on that kind of reaction and I'm just going to churn out Netflix special called Triggered, you know, Cry Lib, you know, Cry Lib Part 2 for the next like 40 years until they die. And that would have been I their mean, only response to it. They would have been like, can, this is my jackpot. We, I think that we could be grateful that he is not Ricky Gervais, but, yeah. also, <laughs> but also be disappointed yeah. That we like that he's still coming back to this same shit about like the internet ruined comedy, which I mean, and not making more interesting or important observations about it than it sucks that I can't say what I want to nowadays. Yeah, I mean, I think that's fair. You said I'm overrating Dave Chappelle. Damn, I'm not saying that you're overrating Dave Chappelle. I do think. The I other- think that <laughs> I. No, 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 no. I like. I'm not saying that you're. Over, I I want to be clear that I'm not saying that you're like overrating Dave Chappelle, but I think that like we need to like soberly assess Dave Chappelle totally. on a more regular basis. Totally. I figured out why they want to hear from me, and it's serious. The only reason people want to hear from people like me is because you trust me. You don't expect me to be perfect. But I don't lie to you. I'm just a guy. And I don't lie to you. And every institution, every institution that we trust lies to us. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Sober assessment, Micah Peters, time and again on TheRinger.com. You have soberly assessed Dave Chappelle. Your writing 
on <laughs> Dave Chappelle is the definitive canonical entries. At what least is in the context what of this is podcast? This Stephen A. Smith <laughs> cadence you're using right now? No, it's just you've you've written about Chappelle a lot, right? Yes, um, I have written about Chappelle a great deal. Yeah, and like I said, Allison, TV critic Ringer, has also written about Chappelle a great deal. I only wrote about him once. Somehow, I'm talking about him on a podcast. Um, you walk me through like what what have been the big beats and sort of when you've when you've sat down in moments when he had a special out, uh, a special out, right? Like on Netflix or whatever. Like what have mm-hmm. been the themes that have come up for you writing about him? I just want to get these on the table first before we talk about responses to your pieces. Um. Well, the thing is, is that it always comes from a place of like I sit down wanting to be as psyched as everyone else. And then I end up writing about how I wish the thing could have been better. So, because I mean like my Chappelle history is learning all of conspiracy brothers lines from undercover brother and watching, uh, the lost tapes on my friend's Xbox at ODP in Louisiana. And I mean, I feel that I owe like a certain part of like my career to Chappelle, like doing the weird, funny social commentary thing is like, you learn a lot from that also when you're watching it. That's absolutely true. Also notable is the fact that like, you know, people who sort of late investment in Dave Chappelle is on some like, trigger the lib shit are exactly the kind of people who don't even know what you're talking about when you talk about Undercover Brother. People who will never watch Undercover Brother have never even people heard of Undercover who don't, Brother. Who, people who, 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 don't, who didn't see Chappelle's turn as Achu and Men in Tights. And, <laughs> I mean, like, come on. Like, I, like it's... You, they didn't even watch you You've are, Got Mail, Chappelle. Shit. <laughs> on the treadmill. Nigga, you... Yeah, exactly. But anyway, that is like that. That's the that is the tone of like the pieces that I'm writing is normally from a place of disappointment because there will be things in there that are like still funny and remind me of why I watch the for what it's worth special over and over again on my PSP after I legally downloaded it on Kazaa. Like it's like there's like there there was like one bit where he was doing his I'm rich now thing. And he was driving through Ohio in his, in his late model, like, you know, luxury SUV passes an Amish man on the side of the road and rolls out the window. It's just like, damn, you don't even know what the weather's going to be doing tomorrow. Do you like is, it was such a long setup for like a joke that I thought was genuinely hilarious. And also like was true to like Chappelle's experience at the time. But then there was also stuff in there about, trans people again like it's just there's always something where it's just like you spend your time he spends his time like needling out some frustration where it was like like and suddenly he sounds like dad's at a hard store seeing somebody with a weird haircut walk by it's the same sort of like aimless fatherly concern yeah, fatherly concern is a good way of putting it. Yeah, I feel you. And it's just like, it's whack. Like, it's like, oh, that's not like it's, you used to be better than that. Yeah. It's funny too, because like a lot of the, the ways of backlash against Chappelle's stand-up, I remember during all those periods, like with, the, again, the Netflix specials, 
you know, I always have to be a contrarian sort of galaxy brain about everything. And <laughs> I guess my take throughout all of that was like, man, I don't even care about Chappelle's stand-up that much. Like, I actually think Chappelle's show is basically sort of way better than his individual. Like, Chappelle's show is like a thing, as a sketch comedy sort of library, to me, is just a lot funnier than any of his stand-up. But I think toward the more recent stuff, I think especially Sticks and Stones, I remember liking a lot. Um, but otherwise, Oh, that was yeah. the one where he had the thing where he was just like, I'm so good, I can write a joke backwards. Yeah, it was like where he was like, I can, I am so good at this that I can do it several different ways. And then there was like an unfortunate 15-minute segment in there, I think. Yeah, and it's like, it's tough because like I actually don't, um, I don't know. It's sort of, Chappelle himself leans into the sort of political provocations, right? Critics mm-hmm. respond to them. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and yet it seems to be kind of, I'm always surprised at the sort of bandwagoning that happens when basically any sort of quote unquote, like woke millennial critic, like actually sort of takes, you know, just sort of responds to what Chappelle is putting out there. And there's this sense in which like, I think people who are very defensive about Dave Chappelle kind of like grudge critics actually engaging it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that is... It feels weird. I know that we're circling around it, (laughs) but every time that that I write about Chappelle, it is for days afterward, just... Just people on you for like, like for, uh, you know, not uniformly loving the thing that they thought was like brilliant. And, and the thing is that like, that's not new. That's like everywhere else, but it feels more intense with like the Chappelle thing where it's just kind of like, it, where it feels like I haven't made like any sort of like assault on their taste, but rather like on their reality. That's what the reaction is like. Yeah. It's, it's like, when you say that it's always been a thing, right? Like there, but there's still, it's so palpable if you, if you like put out opinions in a public forum as like part of what you do. Uh, but there's such a difference between like putting out an opinion on a thing you just watched or saw or listened to. And the sort of, I think healthy standard level of like, Oh, I disagree with this because anybody who does journalism or anybody who does any sort yeah. of commentary, like you get into it for that, right? You get into it to sort of put thoughts out, you know, people respond. Comedians have a lot of the same motivation as a journalist in that sense, right? There's a difference between that versus someone like a Dave Chappelle or like you can other figures in other fields, like an Elon Musk, where it's sort of like the response is way more like you just insulted somebody's father. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like people talk about Dave Chappelle, like, or like he's the fucking entire Dallas Cowboys or something. Like you just, you really fucked up somehow by not Yeah, the loving. Cowboys suck though. Or like right? the entire just, run of Game yeah. of Thrones is like embodied yes. in this person. Yeah. Um, the reaction is, yeah, it's like, it's, it's like you are getting... <laughs> I mean, like, I, I, I guess it's not like I, it's because you don't really write about sports and the intersection of sports and politics on the website, but it's a similar reaction where it's just like, why are you getting politics on my sports? Yeah. Like, why are you like getting all of this moralistic nonsense on my comedy? Yeah. Is really a lot of the reaction to it, which I mean, like, is honestly the way that the comedians talk themselves. Yeah, totally. 
Um, and you know what? I honestly do a lot of the time when I when I see that consternation about somebody like Chappelle, I really try to put myself in the shoes of that person, the person, the stand, the Chappelle stand, the person who is fed up with the, the lamestream media critics, you know, with all these political objections to Dave Chappelle. And I try to put myself in the position of that person. And I think, OK, what if I was like a 40 year old white man in 1998? Listening to like some Chris Rock routine, watch and just him, like watch him bring the pain, watch him bring the pain, and like crossing my arms, and it's like Chris Rock is telling all these jokes about white people, and I'm just going, "This is inappropriate. This is so divisive and just so rude to white. People. I can't believe that this man would say these hateful things. I just can't. But this is just not right. You know what I mean? And it's sort of like is the difference between those things." <laughs> Like just the difference between punching punching up at white people versus down at trans people, right? Like it's sort of the the I, I think that's where I think that's what these people I think what the Chappelle stands, right, insist is that like that kind of distinction between punching up and punching down is not I think that's what they take objection to. Oh, yo, well, yeah. It's always like Okay, so punching down was probably like not was was really just the closest term and probably not the best one I could have used. But yes, they also they often do get hung up on that because it's just kind of like Chappelle makes fun of everyone. That's like really the like the refrain there where it's just kind of like, why can't trans people get jokes if he makes fun of even black people? I mean, black men do that as well. That's also like. But I mean, like it is always straight males that are like harping on this stuff to you where it's just like you know i everybody can get these jokes that's equality and it's just kind of like <laughs> well i mean did you laugh is really always like what the response is i i just really i'd like yes it is there there is like a um a refrain about how being a white man at like on the front row of bring the pain and talking about how this is like uh an uncivilized way to talk about white people is you know if, akin if, to if being chris like rock whatever. said that about a black person it would be immediately called racist but you know what yeah, i mean like that yeah, kind of logic just, right but it's it's all false equivalencies meant to get you mixed up in the like in some sort of intellectual thicket, which is just like, you know, the jokes weren't funny. The jokes weren't there. That's really all it is. Because I mean, like if you wanted to make jokes about, if you wanted to make jokes about trans people, you would have made like good ones instead of like whatever it was. Like I think is that like, if it's a half-assed joke, it just feels like something that you were hiding in a joke rather than an actual observation. You get what I'm saying? Yeah, totally, totally. And that goes back to what I was saying before, but like, again, the genius of Chappelle's show wasn't just, oh, everybody got, everybody could catch a joke. It was that, again, it was a lot of race comedy that felt like it came from a super, super specifically and like patiently observational place. Like every single one of those sketches feels like it was written by people who had really thought long and hard about the social dynamics that they were talking about, you know? And I think, yeah, yeah. yeah. And didn't stop and didn't get like halfway through writing the joke and be, and stop, tap their microphone on their thigh and go, that's gross. And then expect a laugh from, <laughs> from the, from the audience. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, but I do think that that also gets like, that's 
to the thing I was saying before, which is like, I think all of that sort of political awkwardness and all of that sort of agginess on Chappelle's part, I don't know. There's something about it that feels like it's still more to work with than like, and again, maybe, maybe I am sort of making a comparison that's inspired by like how bad other comedians who aren't Dave Chappelle are, I guess. But I do feel the sense of like Chappelle being in his super imperfect, his super just messy aggro way. I, I, I watch these little episodes of Chappelle, whether it's those specials, whether it's SNL 2016, SNL 2020, 846. And I think, okay, this is how this, he's taken a different tact every time on all of these sort of like political framings for his comedy. And mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm watching somebody try to solve a problem. You know what I mean? Like Chappelle yeah. is a guy I've watched in real time over the years feel like he's trying to solve a problem. And that gives me the sense of even when I'm like, man, why is he taking it here? Oh, man, like, why is this the joke he's trying out at this point? In the It still feels like I'm watching a guy who's responsive to me in some way and not in some like antagonistic way, not in some, ooh, I put some sort of political social pressure on Dave Chappelle and he has to respond to me just in a sense of like there feels like there is a real audience entertainer relationship in a world that's otherwise to me defined by a bunch of people being like, I can do a sort of anti-woke, anti-millennial contrarian stick, smoke a cigarette, do this 40 times on Netflix and call it a day. Right. I think the thing that Chappelle brings is a lot more sort of like, it's imperfect, but I do think it's constructive in a a very particular way that made it so that even though I am like a grown man, and I don't need to turn on SNL to get some sort of national healing from Dave Chappelle. It's still a thing I watch with the sense of like, ooh, I wonder how he going to get through this this time. <laughs> like, so many people yeah, are coming to like him with like increasingly unclear how he's going to land the plane. Yeah. yeah. Yes. You want to watch Dave Chappelle land the plane. Yeah. I. Okay. Well, I think I can vibe with it on the grounds of it being like this sort of living document of the relationship between audience and comedian at the same time i really do hope he gets like you know further into self-examination or like you know research the next time uh before he comes back to the cold open but i mean like you know yeah it's whatever i i feel like i always say that I just hope he speaks at the inauguration. You know, you know, like I'm not. <laughs> I mean, he probably will. Biden, not trying. First of all, if you've been to an inauguration or you lived in D.C. at that time of year, Joe Biden is not trying to be outside talking. Just send Chappelle up there, man. That's all people want to see now at this point, anyway. That's the only <laughs> way. All that unity you talking, Joe. You only get send Chappelle out there. Listeners, email us about Dave Chappelle or anything else. With this week, Dave Chappelle, soundonlypod at gmail.com. Don't email us about politics unless you got some politics that's not you talking out your ass. Yo, don't ever email us about the platinum plan again. Like, yo, just or you know what? No, 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 no. I tell you what, don't email us about the platinum plan. Email us your own platinum plan. <laughs> Oh, man. Because we're intellectually curious. If you have a competing platinum, we would love to see that, wouldn't we, Jackie? We would love to see that. 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 But please do not email us about 
calling the platinum plan stupid, which it is. <laughs> um, uh. Also, but just to be clear, the platinum plan was Trump's plan. Contract with Black America was Ice Cube's plan. Different plans, just to be clear. Don't email us about Ice Cube's plan either. They was saying the same thing like a synonym, though. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>